0: Back little beasties, this is random badassery, the podcast dedicated to creativity and disassembling it and trying to put it back together like your Transformers and G.I. Joe's when you were a kid. And if you didn't do that, I'm just old or weird. So luckily I have someone who is less weird here with me,
1: my co-host and friend Lam Wen. I don't think I'm any less weird. Um I, I was one of those guys who never ever looked at the instructions on how to reassemble or transform my transformers. So um I, I had I remember one in particular, this this old, um, I think a side swipe was uh, the car, and uh, I had been putting him back, uh, transforming him from robot to car wrong for like a year and a half before my cousin told me. So was he just like a car with an arm sticking out or what? Yeah, his head was sticking out of the top of the car. It was awesome.
0: <laughs> I think I remember the toy you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, my name is Chad Hall. I guess I probably should have said that part. Um, This is our Bjork episode, so um, if you... Push play on this podcast without reading the screen, which I don't think is possible. Now you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a weird one today. We're both in um, in funny, awkward, but entertaining spirits. So let's see what happens. This is chemistry, and we might explode.
1: Which is oddly appropriate, considering that we're doing one of the strangest artists we've done, um, Bjork. Um, pretty amazing.
0: And she's obsessed with science. Yes. Yeah, so if you tuned in to hear about nature and science and sexy Icelandic singers who sing about nature and science and sexy Icelandic singers, then you've come to the right place.
1: Can you believe she's been doing music for 40 years? I can't
0: believe she looks as good as she does. I mean, she barely has aged at all.
1: Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, I, I think I saw in, in in research for this episode, I looked at uh, an interview that she did like three weeks ago, and she still looks great. It's unbelievable. Something in that Icelandic water.
0: The thing that's incredible to me about Bjork, I don't know a lot about, um, Iceland or the people of Iceland, so I don't know if this is, uh, generalized uh, across Icelandic people or not, but Bjork is someone I know specifically. The way she looks, um, is very hard. It's, it's a complete amalgam. There's some parts of her look European, some parts of her look Asian, some parts of, and there's, it's hard to place, um... If you don't know what she is, you know, that she's Icelandic, it's hard to place where all that comes from. And it's the same thing with her accent. Sometimes she rolls her R's like it's Spanish. Sometimes she sounds English. Sometimes she sounds German. Um, And I guess the same could be heard in all her music, too. It's just an amalgam.
1: And I also really like that she didn't change her accent to the customary American accent for uh, her music, too. She kept her voice true to what it was. And that, I mean, in a lot of ways, it epitomizes everything about her as an artist. um, And I think that that's really, really cool. But, yeah, you, you notice that mixed um ethnicity or ambiguous ethnicity from from you know peoples who live in the northern regions kind of like um you know siberians like you can't really tell where they're from or what their what what their original nationalities were just because they're such an amalgam of so many different ethnic backgrounds
0: yeah plus i feel like uh people um in the more northern hemispheres uh there you know you could have all kinds of blood mixed in there but it's changed because of uh the, the need or the lack of need for um melanin in the skin so like they could have african features but you don't recognize them as african features because they're pale sure true um you know there's the uh, i'm sure there's some inuit blood in there we're just kind of going off of absolutely
1: no personal knowledge here guys this
0: is just <laughs> all off the top of our head
1: well like we uh, we're we're so fond of saying in the last couple of podcasts this is absolutely not an informational podcast
0: No, definitely not. That's all. That's, that's like our unofficial tagline. But speaking of which, I should mention that we have changed the, uh, what do you call it? The description of the show. Yes. See, I told you guys I wasn't on fire yet today. Um, we changed the description of the show because we felt like, well, I felt like, and then I talked to Lam about it afterwards and you agreed with me. Um, it, it wasn't really capturing what the show was about and, you know, it wasn't a great description. Um, I kind of went with, when I when I started working on it, I kind of went with Simon Sinek's start with why. You know, what is our why? Why are we doing this podcast? So that people who don't know this show know why we're here. And uh, of course, what ended up being our why is the thing that we've repeated over and over again in this show that I used to call our unofficial tagline, which now is our official tagline, that creativity is inherently generous. Yeah. So actually, I'll just read it to you guys so that you can be aware of it, because if you listen to this show, you probably don't read the description of what the show is. So uh, we believe that creativity is inherently generous and that a world of creative action is a world that is more humane. We want to know how creative works, how creativity works. And we are here to study great artists, interview creators, provide inspiration and find tools or techniques that will help make you make more and to live more. And that's, I mean, there's, there's a lot to digest in there because basically that's our format in there too. You know, study great artists. That's what we're doing this episode. Interview creators. Yes, guys, we're going to start doing interviews. We've been talking about it for a long time, but we're going to start. We're starting, hopefully depending on the schedule of the people that we're working with, we're going to start this month.
1: Um, yeah, That would be fantastic. Um, and on, on that front too, uh, we apologize for taking so long to get to it. We know that I've had a few people ask me, you know, when, when you, when are you guys going to start doing interviews? Cause they've heard that we've mentioned it in the last like six episodes <laughs> and we just haven't quite gotten around to doing it yet.
0: And the reason, so that you guys can understand a little more, the reason that we've, <clears throat> excuse me, the reason that we've avoided doing, I shouldn't say avoided, the reason we've delayed um, getting to the interview thing is, well, we were really hoping that um, Ringer, this other app that we like, um, would come around to adding this promised conference calling that they've been promising for over a year um, because the sound quality would be better and the experience for the, the interviewee would be better. We really didn't want to start doing interviews with Skype because, um, Lamb, do you want to explain how the lowest common denominator thing on Skype works?
1: Um, yeah, sure. The, the bit rate um, and or the sound quality, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, levels out with the lowest common denominator. So if you have a person with um, a bad microphone or a bad internet connection and there's latency on their side, then what Skype will do is it evens out the call quality um, to the lowest common denominator. And so, for example, you know, even with Chad and I doing this on Skype, we've had moments where um, my microphone isn't great or the internet connection isn't um, consistent or stable, and Skype just goes crazy and decides to change the quality on both ends um, in order to compensate. And what we didn't want to do was, you know, for, for Chad and I, um, it's okay, we can kind of fight through it. But to have someone come in from the outside who, at least for us, we consider that to be, you know, a privilege and an honor. So we want to give them the best experience possible. And if their audio sounds like crap, then that kind of leaves a bad impression on us um, and doesn't give them the experience that we want to give them as well.
0: Plus, there's also the risk of um, having a show that's not salvageable if the sound quality is bad enough. And it's not like you can call an interviewee back and say, let's let's do that again. Um, Lamb and I luckily have never had to redo an episode, but there's been a few times where it was close.
1: Yeah, we've had a few scares.
0: <laughs> especially when we were doing the earbud um, recording on iOS stuff. There was, there was a few times there where I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to salvage this. Um, or... The one time where the audio was out of sync, that was definitely close as well, so we don't want to have that experience. but what we've decided to do since we've promised you guys this for so long, and we don't want to um be teases I guess is the best way to say it um we're gonna start with Skype, hope ringer comes around, but we're gonna when we start with these skype episodes, we're gonna start with people that we know personally um they're still interesting, amazing creative people, but they're people that we know. Um that are friends, so that if something horrible happens, they'd probably be more likely to work with us or accept bad audio quality. <laughs> um, we'll see it's gonna be an experiment, just like everything else on this show. We don't claim to be um audio engineers or professional
1: radio people.
0: We're two guys with laptops and mediocre microphones. <laughs>
1: Well, which and is why, which is why our method of podcasting episode is so interesting. It's not necessarily uh, a method podcast as much as it's an episode about how many times we've screwed this up um, and how many different ways we have figured out, um, like Chad and I were just talking about this even before we started recording this episode, which is if there's a way to mess this up, we've done it. Um, and so we, we have learned our way through most of it and we fought our way through some of the worst of it. And I think, you know, that's, that's, for for you know it's 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 also something that that he and I spoke about a little bit too as well, which is um the the only thing that will forcibly create a podcast for any person who's attempting this is just pure pure willpower um you just have to fight through the bad stuff in order to get the good stuff
0: and I have to say thank you to all of you guys who listened to the podcast episode and the Apple Rama episode. Those are two episodes that personally um I was a little bit worried about because they're very in-depth on very specific topics and very technical, um, or at least technical sounding um, to someone just coming into the show. Um, The fact that that those episodes are just as big, and in some case bigger than other episodes, uh, it says a lot about um, you guys' willingness to uh, go with us on this creative journey, and we really appreciate that. We do. Uh, So... Shall we move into the Bjork gear? Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience before we move forward?
1: No, I'm just I'm looking at my notes on Bjork and just trying to figure out how the heck I'm going to say half these names, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you'll have to forgive any pronunciation if you're Icelandic. Everybody else you won't know. Um, Yeah. Well, when I went into this, I went into this a little bit. um, Actually, you know what I want to I want to say? I almost forgot. Was it a little bit weird for you not recording last week?
1: yeah it was I felt like there was a chunk out of my day that I didn't know what the hell to do with so between like 10 and 12 I just kind of roamed aimlessly around my house that's not a joke by the way like I have have a roommate here that you know um, just moved in and was wondering what the heck I was doing I was literally just walking circles around the house and yeah it was very strange
0: it's strange isn't it because I mean it's been about uh, we'll say about 8 months since we did weekly episodes but just the ramping up I, I'm i ready for that every week now. It's just I was the same place where I'm like, feel like I'm not doing anything useful today um, last week. So,
1: you know what I think it partially is, too? And I think that this is a, a pretty good lesson for all artists is um, try not to kill your momentum. Um, and I think the reason why it felt weirder this time than it did in the past is because we've been doing progressively better episode to episode. So it felt really wrong to stop that. Um, and I think that's where my discomfort came from, from not doing something last week.
0: Yeah. There's also the watching yourself slowly slip down the overcast chart.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: Because, uh, you know, those charts, they, they rely on those little, little star buttons that you guys have been hitting. (laughs) And that's as much as we don't want that to be a fix that we get, it is a fix that we get. It feels really nice to know that people like enough to push that button. Sure. The one thing I can't figure out is how to get people to review us on iTunes. And I think it's iTunes fault. I don't think it's people's fault because the process is so much more involved. Like the fact that and that's what I love about Overcast. Um, I'm sure some of the other podcast apps have similar things is if you're listening to an episode and you go, I like this, all you have to do is hit that recommend that little star button and you're done and you you haven't left the episode. You haven't gone anywhere. But iTunes, okay. I wanna I wanna leave a review. Okay, I gotta sign in to my iTunes account, Mm -hmm. which means I gotta go to my computer. Even though I'm listening to this on my phone, go to it on my computer. And now I gotta click here. Um, There's no direct link to the review section, so they gotta go to the podcast. Then they gotta hit the review section. Then they have to click the write a review button. Then they write the review. And I I mean, the whole process is just brutal. Mm -hmm. And I, I I've I feel bad sometimes asking people to do it because we need it. We need reviews because it looks like we were a new podcast because we have barely any, but the process is just evil and Apple keeps promising to do things for podcasters. And if they're going to do one thing, I think that's the thing they need to do is they need to make that process easier.
1: Yeah. it's, It's unfortunate because most people we know still go through, um, the iTunes native app in order to listen to the podcast. Well, actually I'm, I i do not even know if it's most anymore. Um, uh, no, so many not. people, so many people that, that I know have just abandoned the, the native app on iTunes. Um, just because there are so many better options out there. Um, and even from that perspective, it's difficult because, you know, for a guy like me, I, 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 I know that my, my successor failure with random badassery has a lot to do with iTunes, but even I refuse to use it
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, over I mean, in, in all honesty, the bu- i know this for a fact the bulk of you listening right now are listening on overcast um marco arment has made an amazing app it's 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 everything that a podcast app should be yeah um the spark speed smart speed the smart speed function um the slider for speeds I, I listen to most of my podcasts at two times speed um it's just because people even when i listen to our show um cuz i do listen to our show um i put us on double speed um it's just People talk at a slower pace. Uh, you can't talk at a fast pace in a podcast and expect everyone to digest it. So it's nice to have that slider option. But just everything he's built in there is just, it's, it's a beautiful app. It's so and, simple.
1: It's remarkably easy to use.
0: And I, I would say that a, a, a good, the reason that the charts, um, that Lamb and I talk about the charts on, on Overcast is because a, a lot of the surge in our audience that we've had has been because of the charts on Overcast. A lot of you found us because of that. I know that for a fact. Um, so, hey, Marco, if you're listening, which I doubt because you're a busy guy, thank you. Thank you for making an amazing app. Um, done a lot for us, and we haven't really given it its uh, due praise. So,
1: And thank you not just for Random Mad but for our individual podcasts that are doing remarkably well, too, um, considering how new we are at, at, at that front. So both Chad and I have solo podcasts, um, that charted um, pretty quickly as well um, on on the Overcast app as well, and that's given both of us exposure in our individual spaces. That has that has been shockingly quick as well. So that's really cool.
0: Yeah, I was looking at it yesterday, and I was number three in education. Two people above me were TED Talks and uh, Tony Robbins. Wow, that's crazy! That's
1: a pretty awesome company. <laughs>
0: Incredible. Um, well enough of us tooting our own horns, but, um, the whole point of this is thank you to developers out there who make amazing apps that make our lives, um, easier, especially for us creatives. And thank you to all of you listeners, because we appreciate every single one of you. We really do. Okay. So Bjork, Lam, what'd you do to prep for this
1: episode? Um I have been a long time Bjork fan. Um actually in in a lot of ways I discovered some other artists because of Bjork. Um for for example, Michelle Gondry, I wouldn't know much about if it wasn't for Bjork. Um but yeah, I basically just dove in reverse um through her catalog because the last couple of albums I haven't listened to all that much, but you know, Post and Debut and and um you know, Vespertine and and I, the, the that collection, like the first maybe six albums I listened to quite a bit. Uh, Homogenic was one of my favorite albums of all time, so I kind of dove pretty hard into that one as well. Uh, but yeah, so I basically just started from 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 nineteen ninety three and moved forward. What about you?
0: I kind of did things a little bit differently. I've been a Bjork fan for a long time as well, so I tried to approach this from a different <clears throat> from a different angle, in the sense that I tried to not, um, I, in all honesty, I didn't listen to a lot of her music. Um, I just kind of like dug into interviews and other things like that. Um, I found some podcasts of people talking about her, get other people's perspective on her, um, because I felt like I knew that stuff already. So I wanted to b- try to bring something different. I went and li- I did listen to Volnokura, um, just because that's her most recent album. Um, just because I had never heard it before. So that was a different angle for me to listen to something I hadn't heard before. But yeah, I tried to really come from a strange angle on it. Um, uh, how did you first uh, discover Bjork?
1: Uh, hundred and twenty minutes, Matt Pinfield. I remember it. I I remember it specifically too. The debut of uh, Army of Me. Um, and yeah, that's that's the first time I heard her, and she was so different from anything that I'd heard leading up to that point. The video itself was had this had this childlike quality that was really refined and polished, and it just impressed me on so many levels. And I pretty much dove headlong from there.
0: See, I. I feel like my, I can't remember my first experience with Bjork because I feel like I already knew her, but I don't know that I really had paid attention to her. Um, And then there was a girl, which is often the case when you're, when you're young, there's a girl when you're young at our age in the time that we were, there was a girl that made me a mixtape. <laughs> and uh for everybody younger than us, that sounds like a strange concept, I'm sure. But it was an amazing, that was, that was like the love letters of our day was, was mixtapes. But anyways, um, this girl made me a mixtape, and one of the songs on that mixtape was the remix of I Rem- "I'll Remember You."
1: Oh, um, oh yeah, it, that's that's gonna be my wedding song, by the way. <laughs> the The harp version or the remix? Version? The harp. The harp version.
0: This one is the one I can't remember who did the remix. It's it's like the one with all the beats added to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, which
0: is, yeah. But, which is actually funny. It's almost like a reverse situation for Bjork, because um, especially like if you look at this Volnakira album. They usually the songs usually start with beats, and then if somebody remixes or or she releases a different version, it's like stripped down. Yeah. To to like a um, the Volnacura the the remix album, is just the orchestral parts with all yeah. the beats and all of that taken out. Um, but yeah, that song being part of that tape, you know, like back in those days, when you had a mixtape, you probably we didn't have a lot of tapes. We we just kind of digested media. Uh, over and over again. And so I got very familiar with that tape and, of course, with that song. And I think that's where my connection with Bjork really began. I have a... a, You know, the strange thing that I realized, too, when I was going through this, Lamb, I don't know if the experience is the same for you, is I really wish that um, we had the ability to play clips of songs in this, but since we're not a radio show, um, we don't have the copyright legality... um, I w- if you guys don't know Bjork, please stop this episode, go into Spotify or Apple Music, whatever you have, U- YouTube, listen to like two songs, just so you can, just any two Bjork songs, it doesn't really matter, Um, just so you can hear her voice and understand how different and unique her style of singing is and her voice itself is, because we're going to refer to that a lot, and if you're not familiar with it, you're going to feel a little bit lost.
1: You know it's the the funny thing that you say about her voice early on in her career before before the Sugar Cubes even um when she was still doing she kind of wandering the the musical landscape and trying to figure out what her voice was her voice didn't sound like that.
0: Yeah, she um was more traditional.
1: Yeah, much more traditional and it it took her finding punk rock to kind of really discover the the twang and screech that we know uh as Bjork today. It's kind of interesting.
0: And I think because of that I went on like this long tangent right there, but ultimately what I realized is there's so much going on with, with Bjork's music and so much going on with her voice and uh, the way that she uses her voice that oftentimes I realize songs that I know really well, I have no idea what the lyrics are. Mm-hmm. I, it, and, and that's kind of a, I, I enjoy that because it means, you know, when I go through repeated listens that eventually one day, all of a sudden I, I zone in and I hear the lyrics and her lyrics are always incredible. Sure. Um, But I think the first song that for me that I really like heard the lyrics and I was like, wow, um, was Hyper Ballad. Uh, I love that song. Anybody that likes Bjork that doesn't like that song has an issue because I mean, those lyrics are so just the idea of a woman going to a cliff and throwing things off of the cliff while her lover is asleep. You have to listen to the song to really understand why that's powerful, I guess.
1: And if you really want to get the real experience for that song, get some really, really good headphones um, or find an amazing sound system because that bass will literally rock the the blood out of your body. I mean, it's unbelievable.
0: And, you know, uh, one thing that I found interesting, too, because Bjork is always a sound-wise, she's cutting edge in the sense that she's usually pushing the envelope in some direction. Um, Sometimes it's an electronic... uh, in an electronic direction. Sometimes what she's doing is playing against, um, electronics. Uh, but because of that, she always has sounds that are very much in the moment. And if you heard those sounds on anybody else's album from her older albums, they would sound dated like the end of hyper ballad that, um, when it hypes up, Mm -hmm. um, it's very much that nineties, um, electronic sound. and, What I realized in going back and hearing that song this week, I I had pushed random on something and that song happened to come up. It doesn't feel dated when Bjork does it because she's so outside of everything and Mm -hmm. so unique and so um, experimental as it is that when she's using a sound that's dated, it just sounds like she could have done it yesterday and purposely chose to pick a synth sound or a beat style that was, Antiquated I guess is the way to say it and it fits for her. her. Her music becomes timeless in that way for me
1: Well, even in your description of Volnakura, I think one of the things that that really sticks out to me is how how much she jumps um, When it comes to the the tools that she uses to create her music um, I remember one of the coolest things I ever saw was I believe it was vespertine where she was using um, She she had some guys using this thing called a reactor uh, which is a a, a synth that. Used kinetic blocks on a, um, um, a a table that that could read where the positions were. And depending on how you turned a block or where you moved it it would change how the blocks would react to each other. Um, and then you have you know something like it's oh so quiet where it's a full orchestra. Um, or you know in some cases where she's she's got you know that that version of I remember you at least the original is just a harp. So she transcends not just genre. I mean, I think Bjork is one of the few artists that I've ever seen um, in the musical landscape that is just her own genre. Bjork is Bjork. And regardless of of what instrumentation or what what method she's using to create music, she's very always distinctly her. And she's not apologetic about that at all.
0: Or there's like what she did on uh, Medulla, which is everything is her voice.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Every single sound on the album is her voice. Oh, how how exhausting is that? <laughs> it's incredible. Um, I know which which instrument you're talking about with the with the blocks. I saw that when um, when I saw her touring for Volta, um, they had that on stage, oh, and that was cool. just, yeah. it was all lit up too. It's incredible to look at. Um, if I can find a picture of that. I will put that in the show notes for you guys.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll um, post. I'll post a. Vi- I found a video of it. I'll post it on Instagram. It is one of the coolest things you'll ever see. it It looks like, it looks like what for? Okay, we're going nerd zone for a second, but it looks like what you would expect the interface on a Borg cube to be, um, if <laughs> if if Star Trek had gotten the Borg right. Um, but yeah, it definitely looks like it's beyond this world. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And, and being a music nut too, when it comes to, um, not just instruments, but to, to cutting edge, like synths and stuff like that is one of the most interesting instruments I've ever, I've ever, um, seen. And the, the tech museum actually in San Jose had a reactor, um, for about six months. Um, and I tried to figure out how to use it and, it boggles the mind. I mean, it's really interesting once you understood the logic of it. But man, it is—it is a very different way to see music in three dimensions and to see how music re- see how blocks and shapes react to space and time. It's really weird.
0: And just to clarify, Lamb just made a Borg reference on Bjork.
1: Yes, weirdly <laughs> how appropriate. Fun saying that. Weirdly appropriate. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. I barely fought that one out. <laughs>
0: Um, I think that's one of the, you, you bring up something interesting in, you know, this experimentation that she does, uh, a lot of it revolves around the idea of she uses, um, this is probably not the most flattering way to say this. She uses people, um, it utilizes, maybe a better word. She utilizes collaboration. Um, we've talked about this before with, um, who was, who was our collaborative? Oh, Nick cave. Yep. Um, and there's a big similarity. I'm surprised actually the two of them have not done a song together yet. Um, that would be incredible.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's the, Hey, if Nick Cave or Bjork, if either of you are listening, which I'm sure you aren't, please do a song together Yeah, and have a, and have David Lynch direct the, uh, music video.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just everybody get together. That's still alive that we've, that we've done an episode on and just make us, um, a Christmas present or if you're Jewish, <laughs> um, Hanukkah present.
1: Yeah, or if you're um, New York, some kind of druid present.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that collaboration, I think, it more than anything, is is part of her instrumentation in the sense that she brings in people um, that bring those kind of, um, that can bring a reactor or a different kind of instrument or a different kind of beat. Um, I heard an interview with, um, I really should have looked up his name before I started talking about this. Um, she had a longtime collaborator. I can't remember his name. It doesn't really matter. But he was just talking about the process of working with her. And it's it's very much about bringing in people who are willing to do those things. And sure. they're willing to go on this adventure with her. I mean, he talked about being in the garden with his um wife and his daughter, like planting something, and then the phone ringing. And him knowing he had to go pack his bags and he's going to be gone for two months. Because... You just got to be ready and, and not in a bad way. Like they're ready to do this. They're excited to do it with her.
1: Sure. Yeah. And I, I think, and I think about some of the, the, the not stranger projects, but the projects that you wouldn't, you wouldn't really picture for an artist like her. Like I remember dancer in the dark and I remember how, 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 how almost suspicious I was. Like I had this, this cautious optimism about the project. Um, then, of course, you know, Tom York doing a song with her on the, the soundtrack made me just buy in full force because I'm a huge Radiohead fan. Um, but she just has a weird bravery about her um, when it comes to that kind of saying. I don't even think it's a bravery, um, you know, because we I think we talked about this early on in some of our previous episodes. Um, actually, before we changed formats was there is a certain breed of human that doesn't use confidence um, or doesn't need confidence. They just do things because they're there to do. And I think Bjork is definitely the epitome of that in my mind.
0: And now you've made a Borg reference on Bjork and a York Bjork reference. Oh, painful. (laughs) Um, No, you're absolutely right, though. She um, I listened to uh, I put on an episode last night of Charlie Rose with Bjork. It's from. uh, I think it's from the 90s. It didn't really say the year, but looking at um, the way she was dressed, I can kind of guess. And it's I'll put it in the show notes. You guys should watch this if you're Bjork fans it's an hour long interview with Charlie Rose and two things that struck me about it. Well, many things, but two things I'm going to mention now. One is that she's very shy. Um, she's very, very quiet and she takes time to think about what she's going to answer. And the other thing that she talks about is this idea of, uh, always wanting to challenge herself. Exactly. Like you said, um, what can I do here? How can, how can I do this, um, different? And she says, the whole quest for her is that she hears music in her head, at least at that time. She heard music in her head and she had not figured out yet how to make the music that she makes sound like what she hears in her head. And, uh, she talked about that movie about doing dancer in the dark. Um, and she actually didn't have, um, wonderful things to say about it. Uh, I think that she had, um, it sounded like she had some issues with the director and then she went off about a little bit about how, and I actually really enjoyed this part. She said that she had a problem with, and this was in reference to the movie, but in general, the, the need for people to add um, brutality or, um can't remember the other word she used, but something along those lines, brutality or pain to their artwork in order to make it feel valid. Um, she, she She believes thoroughly that you can, lean into the positive and the beautiful things, and by exploring those things that you can make art, and that validates itself. You don't have to make something um, ugly in order to be valid artistically. And I think that that's very much clear in her art, for sure. You can hear her dealing with difficult and ugly things, and sometimes using ugly sounds, but overall, if you were to give a one-word description of Bjork's music, it would either be quirky or ethereal?
1: Uh, oh, that's that's an interesting exercise uh, Because I would have described her music as totally different How
0: would you describe it?
1: Um, wow, how would I describe it uh, the the reason why I, I Wouldn't use the, the same descriptions is because I think you know back to the thing that you said a couple of minutes ago about Her lyrics. I think I found her lyrics much earlier than you did. I um, Uh, because I I I was so interested in her as an artist that I dove into her because I couldn't understand what the heck she was saying half the time Um, Especially on (laughs) on post and debut jeez I mean some of those songs are incomprehensible um, on the first listen until you really get her accent now. I can totally hear it Uh, but I remember um, Seeing how how weirdly brutal some of her lyrics were like I remember the the song that really stuck out in my head was Bachelorette which, by the way, is in my top five of Bjork songs for many, many reasons. Um, you know, not just the, the fact that the song itself is absolutely beautiful, but because the lyrics are really, really haunting and and powerful. And the music video by Michel Gondry is just unbelievable as well. By the way, I'm, I'm sure we're going to do a Gondry episode um, at some point, but that's beside the point. You know, the, the, for me, I think Bjork is, there's, there's it's, it's visceral and innocent at the same time, and I think that's the way I'd describe it
0: yeah there's a a complexity that's that's the thing about Bjork um for those of you who aren't familiar with her music there is a complexity and a simplicity to her music and i think that that's why um it's i can describe it one way and lamb can have almost in some ways the exact opposite and um it's not that either of us is mishearing it it's there's so much there and it's so unique that uh it boggles the mind in many ways to categorize it or to put it to a descriptor. Um, she, I mean, she really is one of the most unique, not just musicians, but one of the most unique artists um, that I can think of in that uh, truly in the definition of what unique means, that she is, as Lamb said, in a genre of her own. Um, Bjork is Bjork. What? What is, what is Bjork? How would... You know, if you if, if I were trying to, somebody says, who did you do your last episode on? And I say Bjork and they say, who's that? I have no <laughs> idea what to say next. Uh, I, I guess I could say an Icelandic singer, but come on, that doesn't really say anything.
1: Yeah, the, the interesting thing too is I, I think part of the reason why our descriptions are so different of her when it comes to her music is because I think because she veers so wildly in various directions when it comes to her music it really just depends on which which songs or which albums or which even parts of songs speak to you specifically um, and I think that, that that then frames the description of of her to you and i think there's there's the reason the reason why for me i think it's 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 really specific is because i think there's a very particular chord that she struck with me with certain songs that kind of just defined her for me and bachelorette um as well as i, I isabelle is still one of my favorite songs as well um just because i feel like i'm 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 trouncing through a forest when i listen to that song they, they conjure very specific visual images for me um, and very few artists can do that. I think that I think that there's there's such a completeness and a sincerity to her sound that it helps if you listen to it without a, a preconceived notion or without some kind of visual or auditory bias. I think you, it's really easy to lose yourself in her music more than most other musicians, just because there's a complete sense of wonder to how she creates. It's almost like she's am- amused at her own creations, and you can sense that in her music.
0: And I, <clears throat> I would encourage everybody to go watch that Charlie Rose video because there's a section in there where she actually breaks down her process. Um, it's not usually handed to us that easy for these episodes. Usually we have to dig and find um, each artist's creative process or at least claw at the possibility of what we think is their creative process. Um, but the way she describes it, which I'm kind of obsessed with this idea since um And I only watched it yesterday, so I guess I shouldn't say that, but it's in my mind. Um, She talks about how with the electronics, with all the music, everything, that she's meticulous. Um, She actually uses the word anal. That she spends so much time putting down every single thing and twist this a little bit here, get this a little bit like this, and working with whoever she's working with to dial it into exactly what she wants it to be. But then when she goes in to sing her vocals, she tries to do it in one take. And the bulk of her recorded music, her vocal tracks, are the first take.
1: Wow, I didn't know that. That's amazing.
0: And and what the reason that I can't get that out of my head is because she goes into further explanation of that. And what she says is she spends all of that time tweaking and being anal and getting all that stuff perfect to create the perfect environment so that she can go in and do it in one take. Interesting. That she's laying, laying a bedwork for that because she feels like the voice should be spontaneous. The voice should be wild, that she doesn't want all of that control that she puts into everything else in the voice. But the voice is the most important thing to her, the thing that she's most proud of. Um, so she does all of that work to allow her to have, as she describes it, three minutes of bliss to wow. just go in there and be free.
1: That's that, that makes a lot of sense considering how meticulous. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, the, the amount of precision and care that goes into her music is, is not that surprising then. And I just love that
0: balance between the two, the, the wild and the control, um, and how knowledgeable she is about what she's doing there and why she's doing it. Um, I don't think that, at least voiced, we've had a subject that we've done yet that understands their process that clearly. Sure and i think that that's a definitely a different perspective too um than we've had before is is laying laying the idea of laying complexity down
1: and if it's the episode i'm thinking of the charlie rose episode that was a long time ago so i'm curious to see how her process has changed since i don't really think it has
0: i doubt it I mean, the way that the i doubt it just because of the way that she talks um about it it's so assured yeah so um it so seems like a part of who she is um, Bjork, a person who seems to be willing to experiment is somebody that I don't feel changes much. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean that she, she's always had a very clear sense of who she is. Sure. And, uh, I don't feel like that she, that that veers much. Her sense of being is a, is a constant, which allows her the ability to experiment in all these other ways.
1: Hmm. I wonder how, I wonder how true that actually is. Maybe she's a total spasm is, is different from day to day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to tell, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, Um, for, for please remember that uh, this is purely speculative on our part. We don't actually know if Bjork is the same from day to day. Um, but yeah, I, but I totally hear you though. There's there's a, there's a, there's a very, my instincts tell me that that's true. You know, my instincts tell me that she, she, I mean, obviously considering some of the, the run-ins she's had with the press and the media and that kind of stuff, like she's uh, a, a cripplingly shy person, um, or probably not cripplingly shy. That's the wrong way to put it, but she's a very private person and doesn't like it when people dive into her as a person necessarily. Um, and so I, I doubt we'll ever really know uh, who she is when, when all the lights are off and and all the music's turned off. Um, but I, I I'd like to think that she's, she's kind of like a force of nature, um, in that she, she is the 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 living incarnation of free imagination in its most uninhibited form.
0: Yeah, there's a part in the interview where she talks about um how important Iceland is to her. Um it's her respite. And I think that the a lot of my assumption on what she is as a character is the way that she talks about Iceland. That she has this place that's a grounded um, that she can go to. And like she talks about how when when the Sugar Cubes broke up, um, which was an amicable breakup, by the way. Um, she's still friends with all of them, uh, at least at the time of this interview, which was 15 years after the breakup. Um, but she talks about how uh, Charlie Rose asked her, he's like, of course, you know, your solo career was, was always an assured fact. And she says, no, it wasn't. Uh, in fact, that had never even occurred to me until a year before I did debut. She was completely happy uh, doing the sugar cubes thing because she was living in Iceland. Everybody that she knew and loved was a five-minute walking distance from her house. And every once in a while, she would get together with the sugar cubes, make a little bit of music. And that was okay. She was completely happy with that. She said it was perfect bliss. That Just that, that description of that, and she talks about how when she's... Sometimes she's somewhere, you know, wherever, doing whatever she's doing somewhere that's not in Iceland. Um, If she gets the craving to be in Iceland, she just gets on a plane and she flies home and she just walks around for a few days and breathes the air. And that grounds her back to where she needs to be. And then she goes back to what she was doing.
1: Ah, she's such a superhero. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? She really is such a superhero. I mean, among, among, just, just among people. I mean, I, I don't even care if she's an artist now um, in that sense. There's, there's such a freeing sense of clarity that she has about what she needs as a person. I mean, I've been struggling with that in my own life. So, so I, I envy that so much. You know, Just knowing where, knowing where home is and knowing where, where you need to go in order to define your sense of, of peace and clarity. That is, that is such an amazing thing to know.
0: I think it's just she knows what what she's interested in you know she's not trying to um she's not on some grand quest in the sense that uh I need to become something she she has she comes across as having a sense of I know who I am and because I know who I am and I'm happy with me and I'm paying attention to the things that interest me my quest is to explore and to try to make these noises in my head into something Um, She talks about not wanting to do film again because at the time that she recorded the interview, she only has 50 years left. And, you know, approximately only has 50 years left. And in those 50 years, she needs to figure out how to make the music sound like what's in her head. And that's what's important to her. She needs to be loyal to that.
1: Uh, The single minded focus is is shocking.
0: (laughs) And that's really what it is. It's focus, right? She's focused on on one thing or you know obviously there's other things in her life but as far as as an artist she's focused on one thing which is that music and it centers her
1: and it also in in a way the reason why she impresses me when, when it comes to that too is that she's not afraid to step outside of her comfort zone to find it like you know if you look at very early in her career. I know we've talked about it a little bit already, but she, she sang very conventionally at some point, you know, back in her teen years, she formed a punk band of all things. When, when punk finally, when punk got to Iceland. Um, but at the, very soon after that, she also formed a, a, a a jazz group, um, for her school as well. So, I mean, those, those two couldn't be more diametrically opposing in their sound, even though their sensibilities are kind of the same. Um, I still think that there are a lot of striking similarities between punk and jazz, but that 's just me i in my mind, jazz is just punk for old people um, but yeah there's there's the the quest for her to rec- recreate the sound that's in her head um, is is more important than her comfort zone, and I think because of that she's willing to roam way outside of her musical comfort zone in order to find it and If you look through her discography and you listen to basically a song off of each of her last seven albums. They sound nothing alike. They sound the, the only the only common factor among all of them is her voice. Actually, um, the production for all of them is wildly different.
0: Yeah, definitely, I, I agree with you. By the way, on that connection between jazz and punk, in the sense that the, the there's a wildness to both of them.
1: Mm-hmm. There's an unruliness. Yeah.
0: Anybody that goes back and looks at like the old Jasmine, which I'm sure at some point we'll probably do a jazz musician. Like Coltrane would be a great episode. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I have I have a deep love for Thelonious Monk, so I I would throw my vote in for that guy too as well.
0: There, there's a wildness there, and it's it's. I definitely can see both of those things in Bjork, um, though. I think once again, her as a person, uh, there's a groundedness that you don't see in any punk rockers or any old jazz musicians because they were all wild and um, a lot of them were. Uh, drunks or heroin addicts uh, and that that's a generalization but Sid Vicious John Coltrane uh there's a lot of consistency there but I think that that maybe that grounded nature inside of her is the thing that comes across most in her music mm-hmm. um I think that's why she never sounds out of control there's I mean once again there's that meticulousness that she puts into the music that goes underneath, but she lets the vocals be wild. But even as wild as the vocals get, which I would say for me, the peak wildness is um in it in uh her cover of It's o oh, it's Oh so quiet when she screams. Um that's about as just as crazy as she gets vocally. Um not in all the complexity and all of that, but as Wild and primal as she gets is right there for me, and even there it feels fun and centered, and it doesn't feel like she's falling apart it doesn't feel like the song is going to run away from her it doesn't feel like she's lost control and that's a that's an interesting thing because usually when people are experimenting there's always um for me it's always driven by this feeling that it could fall apart at any moment, but I have never ever had that sense in bjork's music that something was almost going to fall apart
1: i feel like with bjork at least for me it, it it feels like a storybook that's grown up with me um and i feel like the author of that story has a very tight rein on the story itself and i i i definitely feel that when i look at things like it's oh so quiet that's a great example actually because the music video very much defines what you're talking about there's a sense of you know there's a sense of 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 Um, Unabashed like enthusiasm, but if you look at the video, it's tightly choreographed and incredibly well shot So there's a sense of tightness even to that Um, But yeah, I mean going through the discography like you never you never feel like she's She doesn't know where she's going in a weird kind of way and I feel like there's there's a, a There's a uniqueness to that 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 creates a narrative or a through line through her career that that is defined much more than most of the artists that we've talked about
0: And I actually, if I was going to say, um, a clear defined mood, um, feeling when you said the storybook thing, I made a connection that I hadn't made before. The only person I could say that has that same feel is Neil Gaiman. Yeah, true. There, there seems like there's, um, in their, their worlds are very different, but it seems like the way that they treat the worlds that they're dealing with, um, is very much the same in the sense that there's a. Complete, almost naive indulgence.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great way of putting it, actually, yeah. For both sides of that equation, sure.
0: And it keeps, there's an innocence to both of them. Um, I don't feel like, uh, I don't feel like either of them is trying to be tough or to shock us or to, um, I just don't feel like they're trying to push an envelope of, Something fake
1: yeah, they're not they're not trying to be something. They're not and I think that that you know if you Neil Gaiman's, I think you you touched on it during the the Neil Gaiman episode and I think I did to a certain degree as well, but they they're they're Their childish fearlessness is is unique in that sense. And so their voices by nature sound almost innocent as well
0: And I think it's because um What's behind both of them? That maybe is harder to hear in other artists is pleasure. Oh yeah, they're both having fun, and you can hear it. I mean, there's there's an exuberance to Bjork's voice, even in in Volnicure, which is a breakup album, an album of pain. There's moments of just just sound wise, almost like the sound of a happy baby. <laughs> and it's it it's it's in Lamb's laughing because if if you know Bjork's voice it, it in some ways it can sound like the sounds of a child.
1: Oh yeah, when she screeches um especially during certain songs that are more on the painful side, she definitely sounds like a screaming baby. I mean, I've I've had friends who have described her. My friend Ken used to describe her that way. used to not be able to listen he loved the music but could not deal with her voice. <laughs>
0: yeah, I would say that um probably her Bob Dylan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's maybe Ozzy Osbourne. There's few, there's few people out there whose voice is just so different that you're like, the moment you hear it, you know who you're hearing. Um, they just don't sing like any other human being on the planet. And that's not, it's not even just the timbre of her voice It's actually the way that she uses it. Um, and her melodies are very unique. Um, there's almost like an an, an angularness to um, her melodies, mm-hmm. like they seem to shoot out in straight lines. Um, go ahead.
1: Yeah, and the dynamic range is pretty far too. I mean, if you, it, regardless of what era of Bjork you 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 listen to, there's almost a. How do I put this? I mean, most 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 artists that we we listen to and know and love have a certain defined vocal pattern that they're comfortable in and i think that with bjork there is no such thing <laughs> you know there there is there is absolutely no restraint from for inside of a comfort zone or a box that makes her feel easy with singing she you know and as a vocalist I, I i can i can say that i definitely fall into that too as well like i know what my comfortable range is so anything that i write stays within that range i feel like bjork doesn't do that she she goes where the music takes her even if it's way outside of her comfort zone
0: and there's a weird alchemy there in in what she does with her voice in the sense that she rarely hits the note that you're expecting her to hit or to go in the place that you're expecting which would sound uncomfortable to listen to, but I never feel like it's um, broken. Sure. it's It always works. It's just completely unexpected. And maybe in that way, it's like jazz.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel that. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. Like, I believe that there is a certain sense of... of... Of Defined structure to how she does her vocals, but I definitely do feel like she's one of those artists that does improvise a little bit Depending on how the music feels to her that particular day You know as I mean to 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 go back to your Charlie Rose thing like her creating the environment in order to create a, 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 a Sound space that is comfortable for her to be free of the restraints of thinking about the technical technical aspects of the song itself I think that there are moments where the emotion takes her to a note that she didn't initially plan to sing, and there are certain songs that I I feel that that's tr- I'm thinking back through my memory now towards some Bjork songs, and I'm trying to figure out what the best example I can think of is, of that. But um, I definitely do believe that um, there are moments where she does that.
0: Yeah, there's it. It really it goes back to that whole thing, that idea of like that laying down that groundwork so that she has the freedom to do that, to just go in there and and feel it. And I think that's why there's that exuberance that comes across to me in her sound and that freedom that comes across to anybody is because that's exactly what she's doing. She's going in there and she's, she's worked out a general melody. She's worked out the lyrics. She has all that prepped. But when she goes in, it's that performance. It's that moment. And, and she wants it to be wild. You know, it's laying down safety to become wild for three minutes.
1: Do you ever get the sense that because I, I I I feel this um especially early on in her career, I could feel an eagerness to get it out. Um, like an energy that that was so so unrelentingly forward, like in your face, um, that definitely came out of those performances.
0: I think that the one thing that you can hear over the years is there's definitely a a change in energy. And I think and I wouldn't say necessarily that it's become less. It's just you can hear age in her. Um uh time. And I don't mean age is in a bad thing. It's just the the movement of the songs is different. It doesn't have it's not as explosive. It's more spanning yeah it it spreads out more um it still has moments like that but you're you're right there was more of a like somebody had lit a fire under her ass feel (laughs) to the early stuff you know she's jumping over a fire um especially like just listening to it's so quiet those explosions Mm -hmm. of the song and now it's more rich
1: and more assured. It's almost gone from punk to jazz. Yeah. You know,
0: like even like it's gone from punk and jazz to orchestral.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny. I mean, by the way, I misspoke earlier when I said uh, the first song that I uh, feel, I feel like an idiot for even having to fix this now, but it was not army of me. It was human behavior. Uh, um, the one with the, the, the patchwork bear and all that kind of stuff with Michelle Gondry. So I, I apologize to Bjork and Michelle Gondry and everybody listening. It was actually human <laughs> behavior that I saw on 120 minutes with Matt Pinfield and fell in love with both of them. Um, but yeah, there's, 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 I don't know. It, it It's hard because I feel like. We're all punk rock at some point, or at least we all we all feel like we are. You know, when we're in our early twenties and we have all that piss and vinegar, and we're angry at the establishment, but we have no idea what we're really mad at. Um, and I feel like over time, as you become more thoughtful and introspective, you you start to to really understand. Where the weaknesses are in culture and humanity in the world and I feel like you 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 take on some of those not not take on but internalize some of them So you understand them more clearly there's a sense of there's a sense of truth about them that you didn't understand when you were younger You didn't know why you were mad and now you do and I feel like Bjork even though the anger is not necessarily the emotion, I feel like that's where her journey's gone. And I feel like the music is very strongly representative of that in the sense that it's not necessarily more mature, but it's more, she understands more, um, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, and just to clarify too, f- she doesn't, uh, the that exuberance, that um, that punk rockness, is not completely gone from her it's still in the songs and even like volta volta is a pretty hardcore political album
1: yeah it's punchy yeah
0: it's very it's very punk rock actually it's probably her most punk rock album um not only in sound but just in in meaning and uh and message as well uh which is it, it's an interesting interesting thing because it does now that i like i look at her catalog and you think about it she goes in waves um back and forth like my favorite album of hers is vespertine and vespertine is very much a a very quiet album in the sense that it's very intimate and it's very intricate and actually in that charlie rose interview she says that uh she creates working titles for for everything. This is actually an interesting point um, on her creativity. She creates working titles when doing these albums. um, And when she creates working titles, the purpose of that is to communicate to the people that she's working with what she's going for. Mm. Um, And it's not the intention for the album to ever be named what the working title is, as far as I understood, but it's just there to give them an understanding so that they can have a shared language. And when she was working on Vespertine, uh, the name of the working title was Domestica. Because she wanted the album to be about the house. She wanted the sounds in the album to be sounds that are heard around the house. She wanted the lyrics to be about being around the house. Um, So there's that there's that intimacy there. But then, you know, she goes almost the opposite direction afterwards. Not like Bob Dylan where she does an about face. But she starts turning her wave in a different direction and she builds up to volta and then after volta she starts going down you know like cuz i think it's vespertine then medulla then volta
1: uh yes that that's right yeah
0: so there's there's a build up there you know M- medulla is a little bit more complex and a little bit more strange than um vespertine and then volta is just like i said a punk rock album and then she turns the other direction and she does biophilia which is um complex and intricate and uh, it's more soft and then uh Volna Cura is if you listen to that version without the beats it's about as low key as any album she's ever done.
1: Mhm.
0: It's very orchestral I mean it is orchestral not very um it's it's just interesting the way that she when we look at these artists it's interesting to see how how they move from project to project. Um like we said with Bob Dylan, it's always an about face. What is the exact opposite that I just did? Let me do that. And with her, it's it's just more, like what she does with her voice. It's more just inflecting a different way.
1: Yeah, it's there's it's it's strange because I you know if, when we're talking about Bjork as an artist as well as her 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 music, Volnaker is such a good example of of how differently people can see that album Uh, i was talking to a friend of mine um who who thought that album was pretty hard um i'm not even sure how how he sees it that way but of course that's you know that's the great thing about art is that everyone interprets it differently for me it almost feels like i'm being tucked into bed while being told a a truth about life um and 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 i i don't know there's there's a, because there's a softness to it that i haven't heard from her in a while and i think that that's the interesting thing about that album for me is that she the, each album definitely has a personality that's really well defined in 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 what you're talking about here that that makes a lot of sense i didn't know that she did that um but it, there's there's definitely a cohesive message um or at the very least a cohesive feel from album to album that is very distinctly different and
0: that there's a sadness to this album too because yeah. It's her breakup album. Mm -hmm. Um, Long time relationship. I can't remember the name of the artist she was in the relationship with. I'm not sure if he's the father of her children or not. But um, there's a sadness to it. And that comes across. Um, By the way, also, if you're going to listen to Volna Cura. What song is it? What is the song that she does the the duet with Anthony from Anthony and the Johnsons?
1: Oh, uh, hold on. I got to keep talking. I'll look it up.
0: You guys need to listen to this song. I I'll see if I can find if if somebody has it on YouTube once we find the title of it. Anthony is also one of those people whose voice is so unique that the moment you hear him you're like, oh, that's Anthony. He sounds like an amalgam of um Mark Allman from Soft Cell mixed with Boy George. Um <laughs> mixed with uh I don't know, something a lot of vibrato, a lot of vibrato in his voice. Um, and I was actually listening to, shoot, there is a podcast that I listened to that I'll put in the show notes right here. You just guys just have to find it, um, in the show notes. And it was, I think it's called the J files. Yeah, that's it. Um, it's this guy talking about Bjork's catalog. It's actually really great. And he's playing parts of the songs. Actually, I'm, I'm wrong. That I did listen to J files and I'll put that in there. It's the All Songs Considered um, from NPR. All Songs Considered from NPR did um, an episode about the time that Volnakira came out, and they played part of this song with um, with her and Antony. And there's a weird break in the middle of the song where it changes, uh, and there's like almost a pause, and Anthony hasn't come in yet at this point. And then all of a sudden, Anthony starts singing. And I literally, I thought that it was a different song because it didn't, it, in my mind, it didn't even seem possible that you could have these two in a song together. Mm-hmm. And then when Bjork comes in with him, it, it kind of blew my mind because it was, I mean, it's just, it's beautiful, but it's so strange because they're so distinct. Is it be Adam Dance? Yes, Adam Dance. Thank you.
1: That's right. Okay. Yeah, I, I still haven't found it. I'm just hunting through my own head um, for song titles. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: That, just I feel like their vocal their vocal styles are so. You know, it's it's like a, a saxophone doing a solo at the same time that a guitar is doing a solo.
1: Does it feel like they're battling to you? No, because I feel
0: like battle is like a back and forth. Mm-hmm. It feels like they're they're weaving this strange strand of DNA
1: huh I pictured race cars. I've pictured race cars kind of just constantly changing position
0: yeah it's 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 definitely something you guys should listen to um to understand um we're about at one one seventeen right now lamb so let's let's um let's do a breakdown of let's give some practical advice that we
1: learned from bjork huh um practical advice from bjork. Uh, never be stuck to it as a musician. So I, I, I learned two very important things from her, um, for, for, for myself as a person, as well as, as an artist, um, as an artist, uh, never be tied to a specific genre. Um, you know, if you're, some people consider themselves metal or, or, or jazz or punk or whatever it may be. And that is so stupidly limiting. Um, if you look at a person like Bjork, um, and you see how much the music takes her where she needs to go, then you realize how, how horribly constricting limiting yourself to a specific genre can be and how crippling as an artist um, how, how how crippling it can be as an artist to, to confine yourself to a certain box, regardless of what medium or genre you're working in. Always, always, always look around, uh, be aware of what, what kind of artwork is being created around you or what other mediums you can use to create your own artwork. And maybe you might find a voice that, that you wouldn't have found otherwise. Um, a fantastic example of that in our own personal lives between Chad and I is uh, we've always both talked about doing vlogs. We even talked about doing vlogs for um, this podcast, but why the heck not just do other podcasts that's what we're good at that's what we enjoy and if we hadn't done this particular medium we would have never discovered that and in many many ways this medium might change chad and i's life forever actually it already has but it may have a profound effect on on the trajectory of our artistic and personal futures so never be afraid to try something that on the surface seems like not even close to what you would want to do just do it because it's there to do and you might be shocked at what you discover in the process of doing it um from a personal level the 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 lack of a need for holding back um i think is very important to 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 understand like that's that's the one thing that i think bjork really defines for me is that she the reason why she's able to let go so much as an artist and just to to give her her music uh, such power, strength, and honesty is because she knows how to come home and she knows where to come home. so I think in the process of 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 defining her as an artist for me. I'm now on a quest myself to discover what home is to me, so that I have a place to come back to, and I think that that's really important you know I, I think especially with where my life has been the last couple of weeks and how difficult it's been, part of the reason why it's been harder is because I don't feel like I have a place that that I call home or comfort or or just a a, a place in which I can just close my eyes, you know take a take a deep breath and and take in the world as it is at a, as it's at its most calm to me. So those are the two lessons for me, you know, don't be afraid to to try anything and everything and don't underestimate the importance of having a place you call home.
0: And for me, I would say that the big thing that I got out of this was the idea of do the hard work, do the complexity, do all of that to lay down a groundwork, a home if you will, where you feel safe to experiment and to be free and to do what is in the moment and to be spontaneous. Um, and that, that can be interpreted many ways. It could be if you want to be a great piano player, you've got to do all the hard work of taking the lessons. you got to learn how to play Bach. you got to learn how to play jazz. you got to learn how to do those so that when you sit down at the piano one day, you can be free. That you can just have your fingers go wild and uh that's the same with writing you know you don't just you don't just pick up a pen and write a book you have to have read books first you need to learn how to write and so doing all the work and don't be afraid to put work in don't be afraid to be meticulous don't be afraid to be anal but don't ever let that kill the wildness the the truth the genuine uh exuberance and the clear spontaneity of what you feel and what you want to express. The meticulous work is only there to lay down the foundation, but what you put on top of that foundation is what matters. Um, so to me, I think like your idea of, of always have a place to call home. I think that's how you do it is you build a home, you build that home. Sure. Um, and, uh, it's like a nest, right? Uh, all right guys. Well, this is our episode on Bjork and, uh, hope you enjoyed it. This was a really fun one for me. Um, it's, it's always great when we stumble upon an artist in, and I say stumble upon because we just kind of spitball ideas pretty quickly on who the next person's going to be. And when we hit somebody that, um, I've always loved, but to go in and start studying them, you really understand your love like, well, oh, that's why that's why I love this person. And that's definitely true with Bjork. Um, our next episode, our next study episode, which will be next month, is going to be Cheryl Strayed, um, the author. So if you are not familiar with her, pick up one of her books. She's fantastic. Um, Lamb's not super familiar with her, so this will be an interesting episode. Uh Next week. Next week is our tools and tips techniques. Yeah, tools and techniques um episode. We'll be breaking out some some new stuff. Uh it'll be interesting to see. I think Aparama was the last one of these that we did. Um so it'll be interesting to see what's changed since then. I I definitely have some stuff to bring to the table. I'm sure you do as well, Lam. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Always and... when it comes to the tips and tactics episode, man.
0: Always, always an adventure there. And if you are interested in this podcast and the things we say, you should check out our solo podcasts. Um, mine is called What I Want to Talk About, and it's kind of a short five to ten minute examination of my internal world and the lessons that I'm learning to become a better person. And Lamb, do you want to describe your show?
1: Yeah, mine is uh pretty specifically about golf. Um it's called No Bad Pars, um but I definitely am uh going to venture into less about uh the game itself and more about what uh mindset and 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 zen it takes to really play the game well. Um so that for me is going to be at least the focus for now. I mean, who knows? I'm, I'm only an episode in, so um it may evolve over time but for now what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to to help give people a space to go where they can they can find some some peace and 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 find their own way through the game
0: and you can follow me on twitter and instagram as the real chat hall Lambs on Instagram as the vacant room. Any other social media you want to plug?
1: Yeah, and the uh the for the the, the podcast on the golf side, it's called at, at no bad pars. Um so yeah, that's pretty much it for me as well.
0: And thank you guys for listening. If you like this, please um do what everybody always tells you to do. And I know it's painful, but we appreciate it. Go on to iTunes and rate and review us because we want more listeners so that we can do cooler things because the bigger the show gets, the bigger the guests we're going to be able to get for the interviews are. Um, So that's all in your hands. We trust you guys completely. And for all of you on overcast, once again, thank you so much for everything you've done for us. And uh, we will make that good by showing up here every week and giving you the best that we possibly can. Lamb, any parting words of wisdom?
1: <laughs> I was just going to echo your sentiments of thank you. Um, we could have never anticipated that that we would have such a weird meteoric rise, um, and a lot of that is due to overcast. So, thank you very much. Um, if no, if for no other reason, it, it gives Chad and I um, some strong validation that we're headed in the right direction, and. You know something I discovered while we were doing this and looking at Bjork and some of the other artists is, um, even if we didn't get that validation, we both love what we do and we both love what this podcast means to either of us um, and what it forces us to do about, about and with our favorite artists. So, um, regardless of whether you get the validation or not, do it because you love it.